I am Plata on the Line in Vancouver, British Columbia at thecommentary.ca. Dwayne Brett joins me again. The academic and off-cited uh, political commentator has co-edited a new collection of scholarly articles, Blue Storm, The Rise and Fall of Jason Kenney. With his colleagues uh, Richard Sutherland and the late David Terrace, this collection features analysis and insights from other academics as well as former journalists as to what's happened in the four years since Rachel Notley's NDP government was defeated and Jason Kenney and the United Conservative Party formed Alberta's government. The pieces are highly readable despite being written by academics. One gets a sense uh, reading this book of Kenney's leadership style, or lack thereof, in managing his caucus, his party's policies on oil and gas, health care and education, as well as the challenges he faced uh, that led to his ouster. The COVID pandemic is an undercurrent throughout the book, even in essays that don't specifically mention it, as it drives the agenda for the government from early 2020 onward to today, where uh, Daniel Smith has succeeded Kenny and will lead the UCP into an election later this year. Dwayne Brad is a political science professor in the Department of Economics, Justice and Policy Studies at Mount Royal University in Calgary, where he joined me from one week ago. He is the co-editor of Orange Chinook Politics in the New Alberta, which he was on this program with back in 2019. At Dwayne Bratt is the Twitter handle. This new book is published by uh, University of Calgary Press. Please uh, welcome back to the Plant Online program, Dwayne uh, Bratt. Professor Bratt, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Um, this book is uh, dedicated to um, your, your colleague and uh, uh, someone who's uh, integral to not only this book but the previous one, uh, David Terrace. Um, he, he, even though he was is quite sick, as I understand, he, he was very much a part of the production of this book, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, The Blue Storm is a sequel of a previous book that we did, which was The, the Orange Chinook with looked at the 2015 Alberta election in the Notley years, and that idea was David Terrace's. Um, and, you know, it was his idea of a multidisciplinary uh, book based at Mount Royal, but including academics from, from other institutions. Um, you know, having an author's workshop, that was all his his plan. And then when the 2019 election came about in the early years of the Kenny government, we decided to, to do a, a second book, uh, and again, he helped uh, recruit the, the authors. He, he set up some of the topics for what we wanted to cover, uh, helped to schedule and, and organize the workshop, <clears throat> and unfortunately, about a day before we had that workshop in, in June of 2021, you know, he, he let me know he wouldn't be there, uh, that he uh, was being diagnosed or had been diagnosed with, with cancer, I was going through uh, chemotherapy, and and sadly, within a year, he was he was gone. Um, so this is why the the book was dedicated to uh, David, uh, because there would have been no book uh, without him. Uh, and uh, he was just a, a great friend and, and a great colleague, and, and will be deeply missed. And and that's the thing about uh, Blue Storm and Orange Chinook, is that um, they're written by academics. Um, I, I would assume. Um, uh, not just for an academic audience. I mean, you, you want the, the general public to read this, and I, I found them incredibly engaging, the pieces in, in, in both books. Um, th- that, that was a goal, I guess. That was important for, for Absolutely, all Absolutely, right? that was a goal. We didn't want this to be just read in, in classrooms or, or sitting in libraries, but we wanted the politically engaged public 
<coughs> to be able to access this. So it it is scholarly rigorous, uh, and it has various methodologies. And, and uh, although there are some journalists, the vast majority of the authors are academics, but we also wanted it written in an accessible style. And so much so that when we did the, the planning of the book, we started with the election and worked our way backwards. Mm. So we wanted the book out several months before the election uh, because we think it, it matters and it impacts the election, or at least the thought process, and, and that's why it's coming out now. So, I mean, you, you could not have imagined four years ago when, when Jason Kenney is elected, defeating uh, Rachel Notley, um, that we you in Alberta would be where you are today in terms of, of your government, could you? Oh, absolutely not. I mean, when it was originally um, conceived, it was about the conservative restoration, mm. right? Jason Kenney coming back from federal politics where he'd been a senior cabinet minister in the Harper government for years, comes back to Alberta, uh, unifies the conservative parties, the progressive conservatives and the wild bros, um, fights against the NDP, wins a, a large majority in, in 2019, and his goal afterwards was to restore conservative principles uh, to Alberta politics, not just fiscally, but socially as well. And so that is what the story was going to be about. And then within about a year, COVID hits. Mm. And so then the book shifts that we were going to document the story of COVID and, and the, the response of the Alberta government uh, to COVID. Uh, Lisa Young, uh, a colleague of mine at the University of Calgary, writes the COVID chapter. It's the longest chapter in the in the book. But the theme of COVID is interspiced throughout many of the other chapters, education, health care, finances, pipelines, what have you. Um, and so that was, you know, the second theme of the book. And we never anticipated um, that Jason Kenney was going to be gone. <laughs> before the end of this project that yeah, we just yeah. assumed be uh, given how powerful he was in, in 2019 arguably the most powerful conservative politician in the country and by May of 2022 he is being pushed out by his own party and hence the, the subtitle of the book The Rise and Fall of, of Jason Kenney that was not the original working title I can tell you yeah, yeah. Uh, we did not have a crystal ball like that and so how did someone so powerful in 2019 get removed by 2022? That's the third theme of the book. So it's a combination of the attempt of conservative restoration in the province, the story of COVID, and, and the story of, of Jason Kenney's downfall. There's not a, a piece in the book that, that doesn't touch on COVID. If it's not explicit, explicitly about COVID, I mean, the, the COVID is the, the, the pandemic. That's the undercurrent. That's the sort of the, the setting, if you will. Um, leaving that aside, um, thinking about conservative leaders in Alberta, premiers in Alberta, uh, the parties in power, um, the, the Kenny years are, are, are obviously a, 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 a diverting from that pattern of very long, um, you know, in, in power governments and the sort. Do you think what, what happened to Jason Kenney um, is indicative of, of how different Alberta is, say, from 15, 20, 40, 50 years well, ago? Well, I would, I would argue it fits, it fits the pattern of the last 20 years in this province. Oh, you know, true. Ralph Klein did govern for a very long period of time, but ultimately lost the leadership review within his own party mm. and announced his resignation. 
Um, Ed Stelmach replaces him. Ed Stelmach is pushed out by his own party. Um, Allison Redford replaces Stelmach. She's pushed out by his own, uh, her own party. Um, Jim Prentice is the only one who wasn't pushed out by his own party, but he loses the election to mm. the NDP and, and Rachel Notley in 2015. So in the last 20 years, the only person to serve an entire term in office was Rachel Notley and the NDP. Every other conservative premier, whether it was the UCP under Jason Kenney or the progressive conservatives under you know Klein and, and Stelmack and Redford and Prentice, were all pushed out uh, by caucus or the, the membership. And so there's something about conservatives uh, in this province um, that is, is really fascinating. And so there is a, a, a chapter in the book by, by David Stewart and Anthony Sayers from the University of Calgary that look at the internal workings of the United Conservative Party to really show that this wasn't a united party. The only thing that these factions had in common was hostility towards the NDP mm. and, and a belief that they needed to unify to defeat the NDP. But once they defeated the NDP, all of those old divisions between progressives and wild rosers, between moderates and more right-wing conservatives, between fiscal conservatives and social conservatives, between rural Albertans and, and urban Albertans, all came back to the, to the forefront. And then when COVID hit, it just magnified all of those differences. And it, it, essentially, as we see here, looking at both books now, is the establishment of, of a two-party system in Alberta that, that wasn't there, say, 20 years ago, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the history of Alberta politics for <coughs> over 100 years was a series of one-party dynasties. Mm. You know, so we went from the Alberta Liberals that, that governed uh, up until the 1920s and then the United Farmers of Alberta up until the mid-1930s, and then the Social Credit Party from 1935 to 1971, and then the Progressive Conservatives from 1971 to 2015. And in each case, when that dynasty was defeated, we never heard from them again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Progressive Conservatives merged into the United Conservative Party, the Socreds died. The United Farmers of Alberta died. The Liberal Party is virtually dead. Um, and yet 2015 and then 2019 and currently has changed that format. Uh, Rachel Notley is the first former premier to run again. Um, she's got 10 former cabinet ministers in her caucus. Um, this is not something we, we've seen before. And when you look at fundraising dollars or polling or seats in the legislature, we are a two-party system that now resembles B.C. or Saskatchewan or Manitoba with a party on the left and a a party on the right. Yeah, it's just fascinating to see how everything's changed. And um, you you see that not just in in Blue Storm, obviously, but in in, in the previous book. Um, To COVID and and the pandemic, um, I I can't help thinking as I'm reading the pieces in, in Blue Storm, how um, this might have uh, turned out differently had there been no pandemic. I mean, um, hindsight being what it is, uh, uh, Dwayne, how much of uh, Kenny's policies do you think were driven by politics rather than good policy? I mean, it seems that that he was trying to placate people in his caucus more than, say, uh, you know, be a premier for for the rest of the province, say. 
Yeah, and th- and that's the the really interesting question is <clears throat> we've got multiple leaders across this country of different political parties who were all reelected um, during COVID, or or um, you know whether that's Justin Trudeau or John Horgan right. or Doug Ford or Scott Moe. You know, conservatives and liberals and NDPers were all reelected. Jason Kenney never even got that opportunity. <clears throat> and yet, you have to go, well, what, what was it about COVID? And I think part of the problem is he had a wing in his party, uh, and I think that wing replicated at least urban in Alberta that felt his COVID response was too little too late. Um, you know, restrictions were put in after the fact. They were pulled back as, as quick as possible. And probably the best illustration of that was the Open for Summer. This was mm. in the spring of 2021. Yeah. Kenny announces that COVID is over. We're going to have the best summer ever. We're going to have the Calgary Stampede. We're going to have barbecues. We're going to have sporting events. Uh, and everything will be fine. And then COVID surges in late August early September of 2021, he has to reinstitute all of the restrictions he had dropped, including a vaccine mandate that he promised he would never, ever do. And so that led to a feeling of betrayal amongst other Albertans uh, who believed that COVID was being overplayed, that this was pure uh, power dominance by the government and had nothing to do with, with health. Um, and this was a, a battle he was having with members of his caucus, uh, who had at one point in, in the early stages of the pandemic written an open letter, you know, criticizing COVID restrictions. Right. He ends up kicking two members of his caucus out, but there was at least another 10 or 12 who were absolutely opposed to vaccine mandates and in some cases vaccines. Uh, he had participants in the, in the Ottawa convoy, in the, in the Coots blockade. And so within his own party, he had a group that felt that there should have been no restrictions. And then a, a much wider population outside of his caucus um, that believed that, that Kenny was acting too little too late. And that was the challenge he had that I don't think other leaders had, um, where there was dissent within his, his own party. And probably the best example I can think of this is there's this massive billboard on Highway 2 between Calgary and Edmonton, and it says, Jason Kenney jailed more Christian preachers than China has, mm-hmm. which, of course, is, yeah. is absurd. Yeah. Um, there were three preachers uh, who went to jail for violating public health restrictions, but we have thousands and thousands of, of preachers in this province. Uh, but it just shows you that the sentiment, the very strong sentiment against what Kenny was was doing, that let's say John Horgan didn't have to face in the seat. Yeah, uh, we we read in the book how Kenny was in terms of managing his caucus, <clears throat> managing his party. Is Daniel Smith different? I mean, has she the same challenges? Say, uh, I don't think so because the forces that drove Jason Kenny out of office that sort of anti-public health restrictions uh, cohort, those are the ones who have embraced Danielle Smith. Um, she used those people to win the leadership, and she has continued to govern as premier on behalf of them. So, for example, in her very
unvaccinated with the most discriminated group in her lifetime. Right. Yeah. Uh, she <laughs> has publicly apologized for COVID restrictions that the Kenny government instituted. Uh, she has promised that she was going to give amnesty or drop charges of those who had violated COVID health restrictions, and then has had to walk those back. She promised to put uh, protections against unvaccinated status in the Alberta Human Rights Act. Um, she fired Dr. Dina Hinshaw, the chief medical officer of health, for imposing um, public health restrictions. So she has really harnessed that group um, and has governed in that behalf. She has appointed Preston Manning to do an investigation of all the harm that public health restrictions caused, whether that was learning problems with elementary school children yeah. or bankruptcies uh, or what have you. And the rest of that panel is filled with people who were outright critics of uh, restrictions throughout the, the pandemic. And so this is as opposite of, of Jason Kenney as, as you can imagine, but you can't understand Smith without understanding what happened to Kenny. Yeah, and so moving into this this, this forthcoming election, um, what does the polling look like, and, 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 and does she have, say, a grasp on her party that they can, uh, say, stay united into uh, whatever happens in that election, say? Yeah, I mean, recent polls have come out <coughs> to show just how tight it is, uh, and the election will be won and fought in the city of Calgary. The city of Edmonton, <clears throat> is widely expected to go entirely NDP. Mm-hmm. Already they have 19 out of 20 seats in that city. They're likely to win all 20 seats, plus some of the uh, suburban ridings around the city of Edmonton, um, places like Sherwood Park or, or St. Albert or, or Leduc. Likewise, rural Alberta and many of the small cities are going to go widely for the United Conservative Party. So it will be decided in Calgary. And right now the <coughs> the polls show them neck and neck in, in the city of Calgary. Yeah. Um, Smith has some real advantages. Uh, advantage number one is she's got the control of government. And so they have launched this affordability package of uh, sending out checks to uh, parents and checks to seniors, uh, as well as dropping the gas tax and electricity rebates. Uh, and this program is costing close to $3 billion. Um, she also has the benefit of government advertising. And uh, there's there's a group in, in Calgary of what I would call reluctant conservatives uh, or orphan voters. These are people who have typically voted conservative their entire lives, mm. but are very concerned about Danielle Smith and her comments about COVID or her comments about the Sovereignty Act but they can't quite stomach voting for Rachel Notley and, and the NDP. And so where do those people go? Do they stay at home? Mm-hmm. Do they hold their nose and vote Smith? Do they hold their nose and, and vote Notley? I think it's still too early to tell how those people will, will swing out. There's a piece in the book that, that uh, talks about uh, uh, oil and gas. And it uh, reveals um, sort of the two personas that emerge in terms of Jason Kenney, that there's a sort of private Jason Kenney and there's a public one in terms of, of what rhetoric um, he uses. Um, I, I kept wondering, um, as I was reading the book um, and, and thinking about the future, 
um, whether there is the same sort of dual personalities with Daniel Smith. I mean, do you think she greeted Justin Trudeau differently uh, than that handshake that we saw recently? Yeah, I, I mean, Kenny was a very sophisticated operator. And, you know, he realized the, the existence of climate change and, and the, the impact on a, on a transition that he knew was ongoing. Uh, but he also had a base of people who were at least skeptical of climate change, if not quite in, in denial and an absolute hatred of, of Justin Trudeau. And so Kenny had this balancing act where publicly he would attack BC and he would attack Quebec and he would attack environmental groups and he would attack the Trudeau government. On the other hand, behind the scenes, you know, he was implementing an oil sands carbon tax for industry. Um, he was continuing with the coal phase out uh, of electricity that, that Rachel Notley had started. He was working with some of the large oil companies called the Pathways Alliance about lowering greenhouse gas emissions in, in the oil sands. He was working with the Trudeau government on carbon capture and storage on hydrogen, on small modular reactors uh, for nuclear energy. With Smith, I'm not seeing that. I think Smith, <laughs> Smith's private policies are the same as her public statements. Um, and so what you see is what you get. So while she is fighting Trudeau even harder than, than what uh, Jason Kenney does. Uh -huh. uh, I get no sense that there is cooperation going on uh, behind the scenes. And probably a good illustration of this are the various roundtables and consultations over the sustainable jobs uh, plan that the government has. Labor has been there. Business has been there. Um, various municipalities have been sitting at the table, but the provincial government has, has not. And, uh, and I think that's a, that's a direct rebuke of what Kenny did. And, and it shows that the much more hardened Alberta first style that, that Smith has harnessed. What role does Jason Kenny play in the next election? And I don't mean what, whether he'll, he'll speak out or anything like that, but I mean, <laughs> is he still, um, I mean, will voters remember the last four years and, and his part in the last four years, say, as they, uh, where I think his greatest legacy in this coming election is around how his downfall led to the rise of Smith. Mm. I've talked already about, uh, you know, the COVID policies that drove him out have now been adopted by Smith. Um, Kenny had this what was called the fight back strategy against Trudeau, lawsuits and referendums and inquiries and things like that. Smith has said that those didn't work, and so now she's brought in this, this Sovereignty Act, which hasn't been invoked but was passed in the fall, which would give the provincial government the unilateral right to violate federal laws if they determine, not the courts, yeah. uh, the legislature determined, yeah. if it violated um, a provincial jurisdiction. So you can't understand Daniel Smith. You can't understand... Uh, how she's governed without looking at what happened to Jason Kenney. Now, as far as voters are concerned, this gets much more complicated because, you know, Smith now has a track record. He has been in power since October. Uh, her name is on the ballot. She'll be in the debate. So the election, I don't
Otley, but the shadow of Jason Kenney, I think, is it overhangs it. Yeah, just as the shadow, say, of Justin Trudeau overhangs some of it, too, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. And if you look at the attack ads that the UCP and their allies have already launched, they're not aimed at Notley, per se. They're aimed at Justin Trudeau yeah. and what they call the Trudeau-Singh-Notley Alliance. <laughs> so they, they say that, that uh, Jagmeet Singh is uh, Rachel Notley's boss. Um, she loves working with Trudeau. Um, and so they're attacking Notley through Trudeau and Singh. And that's clear that that's what their election strategy is, as opposed to Notley's election strategy, which is focused on health care, which is focused on education, and focused on no more political drama. Yeah. The, the, what's fascinating, uh, Professor Brad, as I'm reading Blue Storm, is um, as Jason Kenney comes into office and um, the, the UCP <coughs> forms government, um, a lot of the things that, that, that Rachel Notley and the NDP did in, in, the, in the, the previous four years, I mean, it, it was a change election, obviously, with a change of government. Um, a lot of those things didn't change all that much. I mean, there were certain things that obviously that, that they repealed, you know, the first hundred days, say. But um, I guess it speaks to, to the, the idea that, that, that it is a two-party system, that, that um, th- these things last, don't they? I mean, it, there are certain things that a government, when they come in, can't change overnight or, or, or the, over the period of four years, right? <coughs> Absolutely. So there was what Kenny referred to as the summer of repeal yeah. uh, in the summer of 2019, where you know they got rid of the provincial carbon tax, but then the federal backstop kicks in, and they decrease corporate tax rates, and they did a whole bunch of stuff that was all designed <coughs> to change what the NDP had brought in. But in some of those cases, they brought back uh, NDP policies after the fact. And, and one of the, the stories, and, and this is a good news story for the Kenny government, is the uh, creation of these film and TV production tax mm. credits to attract um, production crews here. Yeah. And The Last of Us, which has become this monster hit right. for, for HBO yeah. that was filmed in Alberta with the legislature, you know, pretending to be the Massachusetts State House and the city of Calgary pretending to be Boston and, and all of this stuff um, that pumped $100 million into the Alberta economy occurred because of these film and, and tax credits. So it's a good news story for the Canadian government. What they don't like to say, though, is that in the summer of 2019, they got rid of all of those things. <laughs> it led to the shutting down of the film industry in this province. And then when they brought them back, then you get The Last of Us. So it's, it's a good story for them, but it's a, it's a story of them going against their gut instinct and, and having to go back to policies that uh, they, had, they had inherited from uh, Notley. How big is the the movement for an Alberta police force against a, a, replacing the RCMP? Not within Alberta. Every public opinion poll um, has shown that the idea is unpopular. The rural municipalities uh-huh. <coughs> hate the idea, but they are moving forward with it because within the United Conservative Party, particularly that sort of autonomous, sovereigntist streak, uh, within the, the base of Smith supporters, want an Alberta police force, even though it would be more expensive yeah. and wouldn't do anything about crime, 
but because it would be giving a big middle finger to Trudeau, and they would be able to say, we've got the same thing as, as Quebec. And so it's, it's an unpopular idea that I expect that we'll see progress on, because in some circles, especially those closest to Smith, it is a popular idea. Um, have you given any thought uh, to what the, 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 the book, uh, what book might emerge, say, four years hence? Oh, <laughs> there is no doubt that we're already thinking about a third <laughs> volume. Yeah. Um, and unlike the, the Blue Storm, it's not going to begin with uh, the election. It's going to begin, you know, with the leadership race that Danielle Smith won and, and the several months of her premiership, because the, the book acknowledges that Smith is now the premier, but it doesn't go into detail on any of those stories just because of the timeline that we had. So we know for sure that it will cover the 2023 election and two or three chapters on Smith prior to that election. And after that, we'll have to, <coughs> we'll have to wait and see. But already there's demand for, for number three. There's demand here in Vancouver, definitely. Um, but by the way, um, the result of the, the, the election in Alberta, do you think that'll have any bearing as to whether Justin Trudeau goes to the polls early? I, I don't think so. I, I think it is clear that Justin Trudeau uh, would prefer an NDP win. Uh, I don't think you'll see him campaigning. Sure. And that's because I think Smith wants to campaign against Trudeau as a as a proxy for for Notley, so I don't think an election uh, win or loss here will have any bearing on on what the federal government does. Uh, I still don't think we're going to see a federal election until at least twenty twenty four. I see. Well, whether there there will be no more drama or um, you know whatever the case may be, um, you know Alberta politics remains fascinating. We'll always look to you for. Um, the latest, and, and um, whenever that third uh, volume comes out, we look forward to talking to you then. Thanks for your time today, uh, Professor Brad. I appreciate this. Yeah, I really appreciate that, Joe. It's been a nice conversation. The Twitter handle for more is at Dwayne Bratt. The book is called Blue Storm, The Rise and Fall of Jason Kenney. It's published by the University of Calgary Press. Uh, one of its uh, co-editors, Dwayne Bratt, joined me on the line from Calgary in Vancouver, I'm Joseph Plato.